Praise God as we celebrate this Feast of Corpus Christi. As we listen this morning to the words I'm going to share with you, um, I want you to think about, we're going to kind of talk about the scriptures like the early fathers used to talk about the scriptures, which is, I think, very important. And if you want on the uh, parish website, again, there's a talk by Dr. Scott Hahn, who was a convert from a Presbyterian minister to the Catholic faith. And he's a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher um, in scripture um, and a blessing to our Catholic faith, really um, an inspiration. And a lot of the things I'm saying, um, he himself was a part of his conversion into the Catholic faith right because of the Mass and the Eucharist. And his knowledge of scripture, um, he, when he came to his first Mass, um, it just exploded and he just was um, totally drawn in and, and realized where he was when he came to Mass. And, and in his experience, because of his extensive studies in Scripture, he realized that when he came to Mass, he was actually in the book of Revelation. The Mass, if you look at the book of Revelation, which we'll talk about at the end of the homily um, briefly to, to sum it up, um, is the Mass. The Eucharist is happening. When John has this vision of heaven, John the Apostle, who's the inspired author of Revelation, when he has this uh, vision of heaven, he's in the book of Revelation. He's there, and he sees what's going on in heaven. So every time you come to heaven, or every time you come to Mass, you are at heaven. You are here with the Lord, the angels, the saints. It's all here. So as we, as we listen this morning, um, the New Testament is always concealed or veiled or hidden in the Old Testament. But you got to understand that. The New Testament is concealed or veiled in the Old Testament. The Old Testament alone kind of leaves us hanging or, or, or longing for more. The, New, the Old Testament alone is just leaves us longing for more, asking questions, makes us hungry for this promised Savior that comes to us in the Eucharist. And so the Old Testament is revealed or unveiled and fulfilled in the New Testament, okay? So the old, again, the new is concealed in the old and the old is revealed or unveiled or fulfilled in the New Testament. So the, if you read the New Testament in light of the Old Testament and you read the old in light of the new, you, you can't really understand the full picture unless you have both Testaments, the old and the new, right? And so... Learning how to read the Bible in this way is learning how to read the Bible, as I said, as the early Christians or the early church would read the Bible. When you listen to the early church fathers like St. Augustine or St. John Chrysostom um, or St. Cyril of Jerusalem or St. Ignatius of Antioch, this is how they preach. This is how they teach with the old and the new. And I'm going to give you some examples of that and we're going to build up to the actual Passover, which is what we celebrate today, the, the gift of Corpus Christi, meaning body of Christ, okay? So first of all, in the old, so I'm going to show you the old and then the new, how it fulfills the old, just to kind of give you an understanding of, this is how the Bible makes sense to us. So the old, you have the bridegroom, Adam, right? And you have the bride, Eve, just an example, right? And then in the new, you have the bridegroom, Christ, who's the new Adam, and you have the bride, the church, who is the new Eve. 
of which the Blessed Mother is a perfect image and model of for all of us. So you have Adam and Eve, then you have the new Adam Christ and the new Eve the church. In today's first reading, you see a scripture from Melchizedek. It says, King of Salem. Actually, it's the same place, Jerusalem. It's Melchizedek is a priest king. It clear back in Genesis, thousands and thousands of years before Christ even came. And what is this priest king offering? Bread and wine. Well, Christ comes in as the priest king. And it says, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's confirming Christ is the priest king, like Melchizedek. What is Jesus offering? He's offering bread and wine. He's offering his body and blood. And so there's another, again, you can see the old and the new. And so then you have, think of this, the old, Noah's Ark. The Ark saved us, saved the people from the flood, right? And we needed to stay in the Ark. And people were laughed at Moses. And they laughed at the Ark. Yeah, there's going to be a flood, right? In the new, the church is the new Ark that saves us from the flood of immorality. The church, if we stay in the church, we have an understanding of what's right, what's wrong. We have a compass, a moral compass to guide us through life that we might be preserved from the flood of immorality and, and destruction and darkness. And we gotta stay in the ark, stay in the church, right? And people laugh often at the church's teaching on certain issues because oh, they're old fashioned or whatever. But the church preserves us we stay in the ark we won't drown the old we have Abraham and Isaac in the new we have God the father and Jesus Abraham was offering sacrifice of his only begotten son God the father fulfills that in the new by offering his only begotten son as a sacrifice for our sins okay so now listen to this one in the new when our Savior Jesus was born to save and deliver us, he himself needed to be saved and delivered from the evil plot of the tyrant Herod, right? Remember Herod went after the, the, the child? And therefore God stepped in through Saint Joseph, all right? Now a man, this man was righteous, right? He had dreams. Joseph was dreaming and told him to flee into Egypt. So our deliverer, Jesus, was saved and delivered through Joseph, how of all places he went into Egypt. Now let's look at the Old. In the Old Testament, Moses was born to save and deliver who? The Israelites, okay? From their bondage in Egypt. And Moses himself needed to be saved and delivered because remember when he was a baby? Who was out to get him? Not Herod, but Pharaoh was out to kill the baby, the unborn, the innocents, right? And what happens? Moses was delivered by God through another Joseph. The Joseph of the Old Testament came into the scene to help save God's people and Moses. How? Joseph went into Egypt. Just like the Joseph of the New Testament took Christ into Egypt, the Joseph of the Old Testament went into Egypt to save God's people. So you have this new and this old. Okay, another one. Joseph and Mary bring our Savior Jesus out of Egypt and eventually pass through the waters of the Jordan and he's led by the Holy Spirit where? Into the wilderness for 40 days he underwent testing, right? And after these 40 days, Jesus received the new covenant. On the mount, he 
proclaimed the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, right? And there he delivers the new law, which is the, the Beatitudes, is the new law, okay? Then in the old you have what? 14 centuries earlier, in the book of Exodus, Moses passes not through the Jordan, but through the Red Sea. And what happens? Moses fasted for 40 days. Same thing, okay? And he's tempted and tested with the people of Israel. And after those 40 days of fasting or 40 days in the desert, what happens? He receives the, old, the law, the Ten Commandments on the Mount of Sinai. And he delivers it to God's people. You see, the old is fulfilled in the new. Christ is a new Moses. Jesus is a new Moses. He is the new Moses, the new law that comes to us. Okay, so in the old, Moses chose 12 tribes. In the new, Jesus chose 12 apostles. In the old, Moses chose 72 elders to assist him in the 12. In the new, Jesus chose 72 disciples to assist the 12 apostles. Okay, in the old, Moses went off and prayed with Aaron, Nahab, and Abiud, three of his closest. At the transfiguration, Jesus went off and prayed with Peter, James, and John. Same thing. Okay? Now, and who appears on the Mount of Transfiguration to Jesus with James, Peter, and John? Who appears there? Moses and Elijah. Think about this. Why is that? Moses represents all of the law. Elijah represents all of the prophets. And who's there? Jesus. What is Jesus? The fulfillment of all of the law and all of the prophets. The fulfillment of all of Scripture. Christ himself is present there. Fulfilling all. Now the apostles are kind of out to lunch. They're like, hey, let's build some tents. Let's, let's be here. You know, we can stay here. They don't really get it. But what's Jesus, listen to this. What is Jesus talking to them about? What is Jesus talking to uh, Moses and Elijah about? The apostles get to listen into this conversation. Jesus is talking about his departure from this life. The word departure in Greek is exodus. We all know that's the book. It doesn't take a Greek scholar to know that. Exodus. Exodus. But Jesus is the new Moses, talking about not an old exodus like Moses went through. Jesus is talking about a new exodus. A new exodus. Think about this. How did Moses bring about the exodus? What is the exodus? The departure of Israel from Egypt, who were in bondage and slavery in Egypt, departing from Egypt to go to the promised land. How did the exodus come about? The exodus came about through the Passover. If Jesus is a new Moses, and he's talking about a new exodus, he is also going to obviously institute a new Passover, which is what we're at right now. You're sitting at the new Passover. You and I are sitting at the new Exodus. We are sitting at the wedding feast of the Lamb. We are sitting at the Lord's Supper. We are here. It's come to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So think about it. The Passover brought ex brought about the exodus it made the exodus possible and again this departure of Israel from Egypt so where are we departing from we're departing not from a place we're departing from sin and death 
and bondage and slavery to sin and death. And we're going to the promised land of heaven. Not the promised land of milk and honey. We're going to the promised land of heaven. How? Through the new Passover. What happened in the old Passover? They got a male, unblemished lamb, slaughtered the lamb. The lamb's blood had to be shed in the Passover. And it had to be a male, unblemished lamb. And not only did they have to slaughter the lamb and shed the blood of the lamb, obviously, they had to eat the lamb. And they ate the lamb standing up with their loins girded, ready to go. Now think about this. Thousands of years later, on the scene comes Jesus. John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God. Where do you think the Israelites' minds were going when he said Lamb of God? Immediately to the Passover. Immediately. They unlock the, like a zip file. It unzips. Like, all this idea of Passover. And what is Jesus? A male, unblemished lamb. And his blood is shed. And what happens? He's eaten at the Eucharist, the new Passover. And how, what happens? The angel of death passes over those homes that shed the blood of the lamb and ate the lamb. And they are that night delivered from Egypt to go to the promised land. What happens here? The angel of eternal death passes over those of us who enter into the sacrifice of shedding of the blood of the lamb at the mass. And what happens here? We eat the lamb at the mass. We have holy communion here at the mass. So Jesus, the lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Jesus, lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. This is the new exodus. You are being delivered through this new Passover from slavery to sin and death to go to the promised land of heaven. The mass is not a symbol. It's not a figurative ritual. It's not something that just happened 2,000 years ago. But it's the real living sacrifice of Jesus you and I are entering into. And now briefly to the book of Revelation. John was given the book of Revelation. He was given this vision of heaven. And what did he see in heaven? Revelation chapter 5, a lamb as though it's been slain, yet living. And what does he see in the book of Revelation? Listen, there's an altar in heaven. Here's an altar. There's candles. There's candles. There's a man, Jesus, wearing a long white robe. Here I am. Okay? There's incense. We use incense at times at Mass. There's a chalice with wine. And when the chalice is poured out in his vision, it becomes blood. We have a chalice. It's wine. When it's transfigured or when it's consecrated, it becomes the blood of Christ. In the book of Revelation, Jesus goes to the churches and says, repent. Beginning a mass, what do we say? Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Okay? In the book of Revelation, the only place really you, you hear this said a lot is the, the word Alleluia. The word Alleluia. We sing the Alleluia before the gospel. Holy, holy, holy. Revelations chapter 4, verse 8. There's a holy, holy, holy. Doesn't that sound familiar? This is my body. This is my blood. Sound familiar? The great amen. When we hold up Jesus. 
the great amen. Lamb of God three times. The word Lamb of God is used 28 times out of 22 chapters in the book of Revelation. Think about that. And everyone drops to their knees at the Lamb of God. Why? Because he's here. He's here. You're in heaven at the mass. This isn't just some symbolic figurative ritual. This is the real thing. And in heaven, the saints are praying with us. There's saints here. There's angels here. Thus and mothers here. The whole church in heaven is here. The whole church of purgatory is here. The church on earth is here. We are at the Lamb's Supper, the wedding feast of the Lamb. The new Exodus, the new Passover is here. And so we go full circle. What's the whole point of this? Holy communion. Holy communion. The sanctuary. This is why we wear white up here. This is heaven up here. You guys are in earth. Heaven and earth kiss at the mass. And I like to always share, this vestment, this vestment comes from my mother and grandma's wedding dress. This is what the mass is. The wedding of Jesus, the bridegroom, the new Adam, with his church, the new Eve. This is why, again, just a footnote, why marriage is so important. Within marriage, is the whole revelation of the eternal plan of God to marry us. God and the church get married. And in heaven, what's happening right now, God and his church are one. What happens at Holy Communion? Christ the bridegroom and the church become one flesh. It's the whole plan of God. The bookends of the Bible, the first marriage is Adam and Eve, the last marriage, the ultimate marriage is Christ and the church. And all of the drama throughout between the bookends is God's pursuit of his bride, Israel, which is the, the new Israel is the church. So there's just so much to think about and talk about, but I just wanted to share that with you because I think it's so important that you see how amazing our faith is and that we're a part of this amazing gift. Today, if you can come, tonight at six, we're gonna have our Eucharistic procession around the property. We're gonna take Jesus and process him around our, our church and school. And please take some time, if you haven't, to read some of these Eucharistic miracles in the back. God is wanting us to, again, build our faith. And I'm gonna ask the ushers now, if you haven't received one, I'm just gonna have you receive them. Um, if you drive, please take one. The little cards that talk about <coughs> if you'd like to be an adorer of the Lord in the Eucharist. And again, you, some of you might, have, might already be adorers. Um, just take one and take it home and just pray about it. Like, Lord, you know, maybe God's asking you to pray in some way and just sit with him in there and spend a little more time with him. So I'm just going to let them pass out those now. And thank you for being here in heaven this morning. <laughs>